Chapter 10 Loxley was awoken at 4.30 the next morning by a ringing telephone. One significant advantage of mobile phones was that they could be turned off. Loxley pondered this as he lifted the receiver that was jangling its circuits next to his ear. He was still on the sofa. Yes? Spanton, get dressed, dear boy. I'll see you in half an hour. The call was already over. The words were routine enough, but the reason Loxley knew he was in trouble was this. Spanton was out of breath. He had been running, before five in the morning. Spanton had never before broken into so much as a fast stroll, and how did he know where Loxley was? Loxley leapt out of bed and raced towards the shower. Whatever today brought, it was going to be good and totally unexpected. That was worth being awake for. On his way to the shower, he had flicked the kettle on with one hand as he flicked the radio on with the other. Seconds could count now, and if he had made the national BBC Radio 4 News, so much the better. Loxley did not make it to the bathroom. And now, in news just in, we are hearing that MI6 have arrested a spy in London. We understand this is the biggest scandal to rock the security service since Kim Philby defected to Moscow in 1963. We will have more on this later, and, of course, online. More online, of course, a spy, but who? And Spanton was coming here in little short of 25 minutes. Surely not him. Loxley hit the button for a large espresso, a lungo, and drank it black without sugar. What on earth had all this got to do with him? Had he done anything wrong? And what about Niku? He had to intercept her at home before her trail went totally cold, and this was supposed to be an easy assignment just miles from home in the north. He pulled himself together. One thing was certain. He would not receive Spanton unshowered and in a robe. He continued towards the shower. The loud knock on the front door almost took it out of its frame. Loxley pulled on his second shoe and proceeded hopping towards the door. He barely pulled the catch before it was forced open and Spanton barrelled past him towards the lounge. No questions, Paul, just listen, follow me. Spanton flicked on a lamp as he sat down on the edge of Loxley's sideboard. The lamp lit him from behind, giving him an even more sinister appearance than normal. Even in the gloom, Loxley could see that his lower lip was bleeding from a fresh split. He made the minutest gestures out of instinct, intending to ask Spanton about the wound. Never mind that, Paul, not used to running around. I misjudged a step. It will heal. I heard the news. Bullshit, you've heard nothing. Listen to me. We have a lot to do. Spanton had not sworn before, and nor had he ever referred to Loxley's first name. Loxley slumped into his favourite chair. So this is what we know. There is a mole, of course. There always is. But we haven't arrested anyone. We simply don't know who it is. Loxley felt his mouth hang open. It's something or someone to do with this Hayek thing. But I've got over a hundred people on it. We don't have a clue who the mole is. And on top of that, Hayek is up to tricks. We need this thing closing down and fast. Over a hundred? That was the biggest surprise of all. So it could even be five or the Met? By five, he obviously meant MI5. Not as at all, sir. Possibly, said Spanton, but he sounded unconvinced. Whatever he told Loxley, he was bound to know more. Maria Leclerc? That got him again. Sir? You said there was no other woman. Maria Leclerc is most definitely a woman. Loxley waited. She's got some kind of history, said Spanton, matter-of-factly. She's one of us, a friend. 
Well, Paul, she's no friend of mine, that's for sure, but yes, she is some kind of professional. I've got someone dredging the files. I had a photo taken last night and sent for analysis. No good searching for her name. You want me to bring her in? Absolutely not. Not until we know what she's up to. Act normal. Where is Niku? I have evidence that she has been here last night, and she is not at the school. I was heading over to her mother's home when you called. I'll come with. How do you get around in this godforsaken place? You don't have a car? I had to walk from the station. I paid cash for my ticket. I fear the bastards think I'm involved. Loxley swallowed. He picked up the phone to call for his usual driver. They travelled to the Hayek house in silence. Every few minutes, Spanton would dab his handkerchief to his lip, which had now stopped bleeding, but was going a peculiar shade of purple and swelling up. Loxley had a basic plan for handling Niku, which first of all established her safety, and then sought to understand how much she knew of her mother and father's whereabouts, intentions, and so on. If needs be, they could take her back to his cottage and install round-the-clock watchers to guarantee her ongoing safety, during which time he could probe further the circumstances surrounding the shooting of Sam. As the case progressed, Loxley felt like he knew Niku less and less, but there was a certain kinship forming. She seemed to trust him, for whatever reason, unless she was playing a more complex double-cross, of course. And this is the circle that all spies eventually end up in. Just as with Maria, every piece of evidence both seemed to prove that Niku was not involved in terrorism and was very likely engaged in some kind of battle with her father. But each same piece of evidence could equally prove that she must be helping him in some way and therefore an enemy of the British state and all security personnel. Loxley was beginning to find the strain telling on him. And now on top of that, this notion of a mole and Spanton's bizarre arrival and behaviour. If Spanton was the mole, Loxley conceded, this is precisely how he would be behaving. He felt himself sigh and then rub his forehead out of sheer exhaustion. Eventually, the cab stopped outside the Hayek family home.